Good evening, Saints. Welcome back to Sunday Night Local. Uh, Sunday night, I think it's the 6th of June. Goodness me, where are the months going to, hey? Only three more, three more weeks and we gather in person at Waterlooville Community Centre and we're really looking forward to seeing all of those beautiful faces there. So, um, my sound man has just indicated to me that the sound is working. I just heard my own voice. <laughs> it was a bit weird, but there you go. Never mind. We're ready. I've got a word that God, I feel God has laid on my heart. So let's just jump straight in, shall we? Open up your Bible, Hebrews chapter 12. That's been our foundation scripture for a number of weeks now. Um, and we just can't seem to get away from it because... This is what it's all about. So Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And the writer says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What a beautiful, beautiful scripture there. So we're looking at this journey about taking our place in the race and it's a metaphorical journey. Um, and it's not about what we accomplish, but rather who we are becoming. So what's the purpose of the Christian life? You know, if the purpose of our salvation was just a get out of jail free card, like we get in the game of Monopoly, which is just like a ticket to heaven, uh, you know, a way to spend eternity with God, if that's what it was all about, then at water baptism, I think we should all just be held under the water a little bit longer so that we can go to be with the Lord straight away. But no, as long as there is breath in our lungs, there is a God has a plan and a purpose for every single one of you, for every single one of us. And the, But we know from Romans 8.29, from a few weeks ago, from Chris sharing, Romans 8.29 says, for who he foreknew, that's you and I, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of, these, of his son, Jesus Christ. So we, as long as there's breath in our lungs, are called to conform to the image of Jesus, to be conformed into his image. So the purpose of the Christian life is to be, become more like Jesus. But in order for us to become more like Jesus, we've actually got to know, we've got to get a true picture, a true image of who he really is. You know, I remember um, I've seen um, pictures of Jesus all, all over the place at, in, in various places, and they're always so awful. They always sort of show him this sort of vacant look a uh, vacant look in his eyes, looking off into the distant, totally unengaged. 
And to me, that's not what Jesus, that's not who he really is. So we need to, we need to get into the word to see who he really is. Now think of John 8 verse 32. It says in verse 31 and 32, it says, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And Pastor Andy preached an amazing message this morning about discipleship. But if you abide, this is Jesus speaking. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples and indeed. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. We so frequently are quick to say the truth will, the truth will set you free. First of all, it says the truth will make you free. It's a process. But, the, but there's a precursor to being made free. It's abiding in the word of God. To stay in the word, to, to abide means to stay, to remain in the word of God. Especially in this season, don't get sidetracked, don't get side-railed, don't get sidetracked and thrown by other people's opinions and what they feel should be happening in this time and this season. Stay committed, stay, stay on track. Don't get derailed. Stay on track. And the way we stay on track is through the word of God. Stay on the word. Stay in the word of God. God is not going to take you off somewhere else uh, other than what he says in the word of God. Okay? Jesus and God and his word are one. Stay in the word. Because if you abide in the word, you will know the truth of who he is. And we, we shall know him as he is. So our desire should be to know him better, to know him personally, to have that intimate relationship with him and to become more like him. Like the, the writer from Hebrews, he says um, that we're looking unto Jesus. What we behold we become, as we look to Jesus, as we look to the truth of who he is, so we become more like him. So this is an analogy of running our race, about the analogy of a journey of our life, as we keep our eyes on Jesus, because that's who we are becoming. And in 2 Timothy 4, which is um, written by the Apostle Paul, to um, to the to the young pastor Timothy, um, and it's actually Paul's last letter that he wrote, and he and he and he he says these fantastic words at the end, towards the end of his life, just before he was martyred. He says, "I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith." And what Paul's doing here is he's using an, an analogy of a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer. And if we go back two chapters in 2 Timothy 2, just to summarize it, I'll tell you what he says. He says, endure hardship as a good soldier. And then he says, if you're an athlete, you compete according to the rules. And then he goes on and he says, and then the farmer, the hardworking farmer, must be first to partake of the crops. Then comes the next line, and I think it's key, it's pivotal. 2 Timothy 4, uh, sorry, 2 Timothy 2, verse 7 says, 
consider what I say. Consider what I say and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. So this is Paul. He's not trying to be clever and witty and have a three-part sermon about a soldier, an athlete and a farmer. He's saying, consider what I say. That word consider says, think upon, take heed, ponder, understand. Remember, the word of God is living and active and is, all of it is inspired by the Holy Spirit. And I believe that God is saying to us as a church today, consider what I am saying to you, church. Consider, think about, ponder, take this seriously. Think, give thought to it in order to reach a logical and a suitable conclusion. Let's give thought to what God is saying here as inspired by the Holy Spirit and see how does this apply to our everyday lives. This isn't just a three-part sermon made up by the Apostle Paul. And so tonight we're going to focus on one of these characters between the soldier, the athlete and the farmer. And we're going to don our wellies and we're going to focus on the farmer. So in 2 Timothy 2.6, he talks about the hard-working farmer must be the first to partake of the crops. So let's think about this. What is God actually saying to you and to me? What conclusion can I draw from this analogy, this, this hard-working farmer? Well, I think, you know what, I'm not a farmer, but I am a gardener. I do enjoy gardening. I love it. And I think one of the most important um, aspects of farming, like gardening, must be what harvest do you want? What's the harvest? If the farmer wants corn, he will sow corn. If he wants carrots, he will sow carrot seeds. And likewise for us, in this journey of life, what harvest do you want in your life? So maybe do you want the John 10, 10 life, that um, abundant life, which is full of the goodness of God until it overflows, as it speaks about in the Amplified? Or is it in Ephesians 3.20, that exceedingly abundant life? Or the Romans 8.29 life, you know, where we conform to the image of Jesus, we become more like him. Do you want the fruit of the Spirit to manifest in a greater measure in your life? Who wants more love, more peace, more joy? Man, I'll put my hand up over and over. Yes, please, I do. I want to be fruitful. So if that is the case, if this is what we want, we want the John 10, 10 life, the Ephesians 3.20 life, the Romans 8.29 life, we've got to make sure we're sowing the right seeds in order to produce the right harvest. So, before though we can sow seeds, let's just take a step back and see what the farmer does before partaking of the crops. The first thing he needs to do is to prepare the soil. The farmer needs to break up the fallow ground. And it's the same for us. Before we become fruitful, 
we need to break up the fallow ground of our hearts, make that soil of our heart soft and pliable and fertile and ready to receive the word of God which will produce in our lives. Turn with me if you can or just make a note of Hosea chapter 10 verse 12. Hosea chapter 10 verse 12. Beautiful scripture. It says, break up your fallow ground for it is time to seek the Lord. Church, this is a word for us. It is time to seek the Lord. Let us break up the fallow ground till he comes and rains righteousness, rains, rains righteousness on you. So this is a like an agricultural term, this fallow ground. And what it actually means, it's, it's ground which has the potential to produce, but it's not had seed sown in it. So what actually, over a period of time, what can happen to a fallow field is that it can become overrun by weeds and it can become just trodden on. And when, when you have a lot of traffic, like you do on paths and bridleways and so forth in the, in, the, in the countryside, after you've had a lot of traffic, a lot of people walking across those paths, the, the, the soil becomes compacted and it becomes hard and compacted. And our hearts, our lives have the potential. It's like that, 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 fellow, that fellow field. Our hearts and our lives have potential to produce and to be fruitful. Luke 6.45 says, Jesus says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good fruit. And the same likewise for the evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil. But if we're wanting to live an abundant, fruitful, godly life, we need to make sure that our heart is like that of the farmer's field, that all the hard ground is broken up, that those weeds are pulled out, that that soil is fully fertilized, ready to receive the word. Break up that fallow, that hard ground, that ground in our hearts that's been trodden on until it's become hard and compacted. You know, maybe that's a hurt. Maybe that's a, a disappointment or a pain. But like the very first scripture we read tonight from Hebrews chapter 12, talking about this race, let us run with endurance. He says, let us lay aside every weight. Let us lay aside every weight. Let us lay aside every hurt. Let us lay aside every pain. Don't revisit it. You know, I think so often we are inclined to go back over the pain, the hurt, the disappointment, the conversation. We take it out. We examine it. We try to change the outcome, but it's too late. The outcome has already happened. We try to rehearse it. We revisit conversations in our minds over and over. If they said that and I said that, if only I'd said this and that and the other, none of this would have happened. Do you know what? It's pointless. We are never going to, by rehearsing it and reversing it and singing about it and whatever we do with it, we are never going to be able to change the outcome. Going back 
over that, over that hurt, that pain, that discouragement. All that's going to happen is it's going to become firmly established more deeply in our heart. And it's going to make that soil of our heart hard. I heard the story of this account of a, of a school teacher in a class. And he had a glass of water like this. He had, in fact, I'll take a sip. The school teacher held up this glass of water and he asked the class and he said, how much does this glass of water weigh? And various students in the class tried to answer the question. But the teacher said, actually, it doesn't matter how much it weighs. It's how long you hold it that matters. The longer you hold it, the heavier it gets. That is so, that is so important. And that's the same with hurt and pain and discouragement and disappointment. The longer you hold it, the heavier it gets. But let's do what the writer of Hebrews said. Let us lay aside that weight. Let us lay it aside. I don't want to carry around this heavy glass of water for the rest of my life. Let us lay aside that weight. The only thing we're meant to do about our past is forget it. I'll give you three quick scriptures. Just jot them down. Go read them during the week. Isaiah 43, you know this already, says forget the former things. Philippians 3.13, forgetting those things which are behind. 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. I love these scriptures because not only do they tell us about forgetting the past, but they talk about what we need to do now. Isaiah 43, forget the past, forget the former things, behold, I do a new thing. Philippians 3.13, forgetting those things which are behind, I reach forward for those things which are ahead. 2 Corinthians 5.17, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We're new creatures in Christ. Let us lay aside all those hurts, all those pains, all those disappointments. And allow the Holy Spirit into every area of our lives, into every part of, of our hearts. Allow the Lord to shine his light into every nook and cranny. Leave no stone unturned in the process of, of breaking up that uncultivated ground in our hearts. You know what, maybe there are parts, of, parts in your life that have been lying fellow for years, that they are so hurtful that you'd rather actually stay well away from it. And that in itself, that's a good thing, that you're not going over it. But in a, in a way, it's not a good thing because you've actually trained yourself to stay away from that part of your history. It's almost in the preparation of this message, I just really felt that, that the Lord showed me a field and in this field in the top right hand corner of the field there was this area that what that had a fence around it 
It had a big fence around it. It was a bit dark up there. There were a lot of trees around on the outside of this, of this field. But there was this fence around it. And I really felt, and, and, and I, in, within this, this, this fenced area, it was like a little paddock. And on the fence, on the one side, there was a big sign that said, stay away, keep out. And on another, on another part of the fence, it said, toxic waste, toxic waste. And I just felt that there may be people watching this tonight or maybe even later on catch up, that maybe there are parts of your life that you've ring fenced, that you won't even allow God into. It's too painful. Maybe you've even blamed God. Maybe you've even held him responsible for that hurt, that pain, that toxic waste dump in your heart. Let me tell you, friend, God is not the enemy. He's the lover of your soul. He is your restorer. He is your redeemer. He is the one who will bring healing to that part of your life. But what we've got to do is just open up our heart, break up that fellow ground, allow him in to those dark, dark places. He will refresh you. He will revive you. He will heal you. He will touch you. And he will transform that toxic environment into a into a blossoming field which is fruitful and nourishing to you and to others around you maybe there's a there's a person or an event as well that might have, that might have caused hurt or pain in an area of your life but i love what that scripture says in in um hosea if I can just find it, break up that fallow ground. Break up that fallow ground. Let me just find that scripture. Break up the fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord. It's time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness upon you. Let's, let's start to break up that fallow ground tonight. Tonight. Let's start it tonight. Remove those rocks. Remove those weeds of unforgiveness and forgive our enemies. You know what? Forgiving our enemies doesn't make them the victor and us the victim. When, when we forgive, forgiveness does something in our lives. It releases us of, of it just releases us from that pain, from that discouragement, from the disappointment when we choose to forgive. And for, because forgiveness is good for us, it's good for us, and it's a choice. It's not a feeling. You can't wait to feel like forgiving. It's a choice. You choose to forgive. It's an act of our will. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. Jesus speaking, he says, I say to you, love your enemies. Ooh. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Verse 45. 
so that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. When we are able to love our enemies, and it's a choice, it's a choice. We have the Holy Spirit in us. We can do this. He can, I can do all things through Christ, the anointed one and his anointed. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God's not telling us to do something that he's not empowering us, not, he's not empowering us to do. He says, love your enemies. Love your enemies. Bless them. Bless those that curse you. Bless those who slander you. Those who speak about you behind your back. Bless them. Do good. Pray for them. Be a blessing to them so that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. I love that. That is conforming to the image of Jesus. That is it. And he says, so that you may be sons. Remember, we're not just called to be children. We're called to be sons and daughters. To go from napios, that napios. Remember from a few weeks ago, we spoke about being children, napios, to sons, to huios. Mature sons and daughters of God, where we take we take our responsibilities seriously, and part of our responsibility to pray for those who persecute us, to love our enemies, to bless them. This is kingdom living. This is when this is how we do it. And you know what? We're breaking up the fallow ground. Talking about let it start tonight. Let it start tonight. It's not just a one-off experience. It's a day by day process. Sometimes we've got to remove those rocks that maybe over the years have been deeply embedded into the soil of our hearts. And, and I think perhaps sometimes a bunch of weeds have overgrown um, and been entangled amongst those rocks. Like I say, I enjoy gardening. But one of the things I really don't like about gardening are the weeds. And um, somehow, but most weeds have the ability to self-seed and to spread and you might not even be aware that they are there and they might self-seed here their roots go underground and they will pop up meters away just pop up and you're, you're completely oblivious of what's going on under the ground so the number one rule for managing weeds don't let them seed don't give the weed the opportunity to seed Prevention is better than cure. What am I saying? <laughs> what am I saying? Is this an agricultural lesson? No, no. Proverbs 4.23. Guard your heart with all diligence. Give no place to the devil. Forgive quickly. Keep short accounts. Don't allow those weeds to gather a few friends. You know what? Just before this, this afternoon, I was just looking around the garden and here I found my dreaded weed that I hate above all weeds, this thing called bindweed. And I think British people seem to think, they, I think they cultivate it. And because they do produce a pretty little trumpet flower, it's part of the convolvulus plant. And um, the thing about this thing, I mean, look how long this is. I, didn't, I wasn't even aware it was in the, in the garden and I pulled it out. But look at this, it has this pretty little heart-shaped leaf. Can you see the little heart-shaped leaf? It's a bit like sin. You know, it, it, it produces a pretty flower. It has an attractive little leaf. But the problem with this bindweed, the problem with this thing, is that it strangles the plant. 
It, it wraps itself around so tightly, it, it, it draws the sap out of the plant and it will strangle the, actual, the, 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 the flower or the plant. I, I, I wage war against bindweed everywhere I go. When I see it, I try and kill it as much as possible. But why, why am I telling you this? Because this is what happens with sin. Like, like, the, like the writer of Hebrews said in the beginning, let us lay aside every weight and let us lay aside the sin which so easily ensnares us. And you know what? If we're not walking in love, if we're not walking in forgiveness, that which is not of faith is sin. We need to walk in love. We need to be doers of the word. It, it can look like this little heart-shaped leaf. It can look um, sort of harmless, but it's a killer. It'll, it'll, take, it'll suck the life out of you and if we don't attend to it. So we've got to make sure that the, that the soil of our heart is right. You know, when we're driving around in the countryside, I love the British countryside, the English countryside is beautiful. And um, it happens so frequently that when we're driving around, you'll see all these beautiful fields and, you know, the countryside is just exquisite. And then every now and then you'll come across a field which is lying fallow. And so frequently we'll see there's a fallow field and piled on top of this fallow field, there'll be a broken toilet seat, there'll be a settee, there'll be a broken vacuum cleaner, there'll be bags of refuse and rubbish, which somebody probably came along and felt justified about fly tipping it in that farmer's fallow field, because the field was unused and unsightly, right? So what difference does, does adding a little bit more make? <laughs> so what am I trying to say? It's like this bindweed, you know, Maybe somebody's made a throwaway comment at, about you. Um, maybe something has been said that's very hurtful or lied about you or slandered you. And initially, maybe you felt a little hurt. But let me tell you something. If those hurt feelings are not dealt with, if they're not dug up, if they're not pulled up like this bindweed, it's going it's to go away and bring back a couple of its mates. And that little bit of hurt can land up becoming um, anger, resentment, bitterness. We can't allow this. We can't allow this to happen. We are called to conform to the image of Jesus Christ. It's time for us to break up the fallow ground. It's time to seek the Lord until he comes and rains righteousness on us. You know, the image that I have of a farmer breaking up the fallow ground, he comes with a with a really harsh plow, plow, you know, to, to, to break up that fallow ground, to break up those rocks and that hard ground. And what happens when the farmer breaks up that fallow ground is it 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 forms a ridge. It forms like a like a furrow and it's harsh. And it's almost like that is what it's like when we open up our heart for God to touch and to bring healing in our lives. It's like our heart is lying open, hurting, painful. Those are scars that are open. But God doesn't just leave us lying there open, wounded, festering. Listen to what it says in Psalm 65. When we just open up our hearts, let's just receive the touch of God. Psalm 65, he says, You visit the earth and water it. 
and I just want to change that slightly. Okay, the Sandy Hoskins version. You visit my heart and water it. You visit my heart. You greatly enrich it. The river of God is full of water. You provide their grain, for so you have prepared it. You, God, water its ridges abundantly. You settle its furrows. You make it soft with showers. You bless its growth. That's what God does. As we break up that fallow ground, as we open up that toxic field, as, as we lay our scars and our wounds open before him, God rains righteousness down. He rains that soft, soaking rain that softens the soil of our heart, that makes it ready to, and fertile to receive what he has for us, to receive that healing that is required in our hearts. And, and, and the word there says that you bless its growth. God is into us growing. He's into us growing, being fruitful about grow. The Bible says to grow up into all things in Christ, to, to be like him. He doesn't want us to remain as children of God, but sons, mature sons and daughters. So once the farmer has broken up the fallow ground, the fallow ground, then he's ready to sow seed. Then he's ready to sow the seed. John 8.32 says we, when we abide in his word, we need to remain in his word. We need to be sowing the seed of his word into our hearts. Get the full counsel of God. You know what? God's word, he says to us, I will lead you. He says, I'll guide you. I'll instruct you. I'll teach you. And how does he do that? from his word not by our feelings but from his word we need to take the full counsel of God abide in his word spend time in his word get to know him who he really is and live by his word in all seasons take this time to position yourself to get into God's presence do whatever it takes. Be radical. Be Get serious. Whether it's worship, prayer, word. You know what? When, when we send out, I know you've had numerous emails during, during this lockdown period, but we send out an email saying, there's a picnic. Come to the picnic. Iron sharpens iron. Let's get around our brothers and sisters. Do you know what? Maybe you need encouragement, but maybe you have got a word for somebody else to encourage somebody else. When, when we say, join us, we're having a gathering, an in-person gathering, be the first to register when registration is required because of government guidelines. But, but be all in. Let's, let's, let's break up that fallow ground. This is the season. This is the season. Hebrews, uh, Hosea 10 says, it is time to seek the Lord. Make the most of every opportunity. Make the most of every opportunity. We, we created for community. I think that's one thing that we, main thing that we have learned during this lockdown is that we're not called to isolation. 
It's terrible to be isolated. We called to community, common unity, where brothers and sisters come together in unity. So, finally, I'm coming into land, okay, people? So once the farm has broken up the fallow ground, sown the seed, look what he says in James chapter 5, verses 7 and 8. This is what happens. It says, See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and the latter rain. See how the farmer waits. The farmer's expectant. He's hopeful. He's full of hope. He's plowed up, he's, he's, he's plowed up that ground, that hard ground. He's prepared the soil. He's sown seed. He's waiting patiently. He's expecting a harvest. And he says, you also be patient. You also know you've been sowing seed. You've been spending time with God. You've been spending time in worship, in word. You've been engaged. You've been connecting. He says, be ready. Be waiting, expecting your harvest. Now is the time. And what is the harvest? To be more like Jesus. To be Christ-like. That's this journey that we're on. To conform to the image of Jesus. You know what? This is the time. This is the season. We can't wait for all our circumstances to line up perfectly before sowing. If that were the case, we wouldn't sow. Ecclesiastes 11 says, Farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they never 